This is episode one of Opening Doors to Hope and Belonging from DePaul Community Resources. I'm your host, Allison Wickline. Thank you so much for joining us as we learn and grow together. This episode is all about foster care. We will be discussing the foster care system in Virginia, what it means to be a foster parent, and what foster to adopt means. We'll also take a look at how COVID is affecting the foster care system and how it could affect the foster care system in the future. So our guest today to discuss all this is Kate Mean. She's the Director of Foster Care and Independent Living at DePaul. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. All right, so I guess we will just get right into it. For people who aren't familiar with foster care or maybe know a little bit about it, what do you think is most important for them to understand about the foster care system and then specifically here in Virginia? I think that's a great question. And there's a lot that folks don't know about foster care, um, especially when they aren't working as part of the social services system. So it's kind of hard to find a place to start with that. But I think what stands out to me and often surprises our new foster parents as they learn it is through their training is what actually brings a child into foster care. I think most people picture physical abuse, but the majority of cases are actually a result of physical neglect. So for children who are in foster care in Virginia on June 1st, and there's data available on the state website um, once a month, which is really interesting, 50% were in care due to neglect. And that's a real generic term and it can be attributed to a number of causes, but it frequently overlaps with poverty, housing or employment instability, or even substance abuse. And in fact, in Virginia, another 30% on top of that 50% were designated specifically as being in care due to the parents' drug abuse. So that's a pretty big issue in our state, especially. DePaul offers foster care services. What areas do we serve? What does the work look like on our end, um, kind of day to day? Absolutely. So DePaul serves a number of communities in Central and Southwest Virginia. We currently offer foster care services in Charlottesville, Harrisonburg, and Lynchburg in the central area of the state, Roanoke and Christiansburg in the Southwest, and then we have Abingdon, Cedar Bluff, and Big Stone Gap in our far Southwest area. Families typically live within an hour of the local office, but the children served may come from any locality in the state. Um, Each local foster care team has a designated staff person who leads trainings for staff and resource parents. And we call our foster parents resource parents, which means that every family approved through DePaul has met the standards to be both foster and adoptive families, which we'll talk about, I guess, later. Um, We also have designated staff person to conduct the home studies, which are the the reviews of potential foster parents. And the remaining staff are um, foster care specialists and supervisors, and these staff members are the case managers and primary points of contact for families who are actively fostering children. Um, These folks visit the home several times a month. They assist with scheduling appointments and setting up visits with biological families. They provide support to the resource families through 24-7 on-call lines, and they have a variety of other responsibilities that ensure the kids and the families are supported in making progress toward their goals. You kind of mentioned this, and, and I think I mentioned it at the top as well. Foster to adopt is an idea that we pretty much live by as far as the work that we do with foster care day to day. What does foster to adopt mean? How is it different than other types of foster care? You know, why is it so important? Why do we believe in it so much at DePaul? 
It's such a great and important question. So when children first come into foster care, their first goal is almost always to return home to their primary family. Um, and I try to use the language of primary family as much as I can because kids come into care not necessarily from their biological parents. They maybe are being raised by their grandparents or by um, an aunt and uncle or even an adoptive family that didn't work out or wasn't um, safe anymore. And so what that means is the child has been in limbo for 18 months to two years waiting to return home. That's how long that working that goal could take. Um, so, but sometimes for a multitude of reasons, this goal may not work out. And so at that point in time, their goal would change to um, usually adoption. Um, and so foster to adopt refers to the process where a family takes in a child and the initial um, placement is a fostering situation, but it turns into an adoption. So it's possible the child's goal has already been adoption when they come into a family's home. And so then the time fostering is spent solely dedicated to ensuring the child and the family are a good match and ready for the adoption process. But as I shared, most kids come into care and into our foster parents' homes with a goal of reunification. So the foster piece may be primary for quite some time. During that time though, ideally they're placed with one foster family. And if that family is considered foster to adopt, then the child's path to permanency can be that much shorter. The family and the child or children have already been living together and they can quickly assess whether they're a good fit for each other once that decision can be made. And we can begin the work toward finalizing that child's placement. Ultimately, children should have a safe home, but they also deserve what we call a no matter what family. That's that family that is there for you no matter what. And for most children, we really hope that family can be their family of origin. We want to see foster care as a temporary solution to help a family get back on their feet. But when that can't happen, we want to help kids find their no matter what family and fostering to adopt is a great way to do that in a way that doesn't leave kids in limbo. And I think that's really something that I know you guys emphasize with our families or our foster parents when they're starting the process is that there is a good chance that the kids that you bring into your home may leave, but you know, it's really about what's in the best interest of that child. Absolutely. And it's important that even families who come in and say, there's no way I don't really want to grow my family. I really just want to foster that they keep their eyes and ears and, and heart open to the idea that, that the right kiddo may just land in their home and that they'll be ready. And, and the way that we do our home approval process ensures there's no extra steps if that is what happens. I know that it's already kind of affected the way that we do our work, but how are we expecting COVID to affect the foster care system? What kind of an impact could it have on the foster care system? Yeah, so we always have a need for more foster families. There's always um, more kids in foster care than we have loving, supportive families in the state. And, and that's um, always been our struggle and our mission. And with COVID, we've just seen uh, a even greater need and the way that we do our work has changed as well. So with COVID, we've seen and will continue to see a number of impacts. For one, we're anticipating a large increase in cases once kids resume school in whatever fashion that is this fall. One of the primary ways that our society keep, helps to ensure that kids are safe from abuse and neglect is through mandated reporting. So that's where professionals who work with kids are trained in the signs of abuse and neglect and required to report those to Child Protective Services. So those are our teachers, our doctors, um, our therapists. And so with quarantine, the state CPS system saw a decrease in reports because the kiddos aren't being seen outside of their homes. Um, unfortunately, this doesn't mean that fewer kids are being neglected. It just means that we aren't being notified. And so we're um, bracing ourselves for a number of kids needing foster placement in the fall. 
Um, we're also seeing though that COVID is impacting our communities and our current foster families are not protected from those stressors. And so some families have lost employment or childcare and as a result, they're not able to foster any longer or they may not be able to take additional placements when they could have prior to COVID. So we need families more than ever. Um, We've had to adapt our own processes, but we're continuing to approve families. We do our pre-service training virtually right now. And so um, what used to be almost 40 hours of classroom time is now spent in the luxury of everybody's living rooms. And we're all getting to know each other over Zoom. Um, and the home approval process is primarily taking place remotely with a couple of in-person um, meetings that are done really strategically with masks and social distancing. Um, so while the process looks different, we're still very much approving homes and hoping that we can continue that because we really do see um, there's going to be a bigger need come fall. And I think it's really important for people to understand that the need is always there. The need has always been there, but COVID really has kind of changed and just kind of escalated that even more. So if people are interested, maybe they listen to this podcast or they've seen an ad or they are in some way kind of sparked at the idea of foster care, what do you recommend to them? Kind of, you know, where do they start? Should they do a lot of research before? What's kind of the first step that they can take? I think a lot of folks, it's going to differ by who you are. Some people are like, yeah, I'm ready to jump in and they don't need to do that research. Um, so there's a lot of resources out there for them. Um, the easiest thing to do that I would recommend here is to check out our website. We have a lot of different resources about what it looks like to foster, but we also do um, regular information sessions where you can actually talk to a recruiter who is well-versed in everything that we do. Um, and you can ask any questions that you may have about the process. So basically you talk to a live person um, about everything that you may wanna know. Um, and those are scheduled right now virtually as well. So no matter where you are in the state, um, you, can, you can tune in through our website. But again, there are lots of great resources out there. Um, if you just look up, you know, fostering in Virginia, you can find out a lot of information. DePaul, we really pride ourselves on supporting our families through the process. We'll, we'll basically kind of hold your hand through it and we provide that additional level of support that sometimes local agencies aren't able to meet. So that's another thing to consider when you're thinking through it is the difference between fostering through a Department of Social Services versus a private agency. We, of course, are always encouraging people to consider fostering. Why do you encourage people to maybe not jump all in, but just to even research it or to consider it, to think about it, to talk about it? Yeah, so they say the most challenging work often has the greatest rewards. And to me, fostering is the epitome of that. Um, I think we tend to have this picture in our minds of what a foster parent is um, and who that looks like. Some superhero type who can withstand anything and is eternally patient and maybe doesn't have a full-time job and um, just lives for, you know, being there for the kids and, and you know, everybody's going, that's definitely not me. Um, but what I've learned in my years working with child welfare is that foster parents look different and the skills they bring to the table vary so widely and that's incredibly important. For some kids, they may really need that, you know, type A super organized family, but other kids, they really just need that family that's active and outdoorsy and willing to take them on adventures. Um, we have parents who just felt like they weren't done parenting, even years after their own kids had become adults. We have young adults who are ready to parent for the first time, but don't want babies or toddlers. They're ready to go with the, the middle schoolers and teenagers. And throughout all these families, I've seen that while they wholeheartedly foster to help the kids, they end up fulfilling something in themselves too. 
whether that's um, filling in a gap they didn't even realize was in their family through adoption, or that was helping a child um, through the grief and loss of being placed in foster care, and then navigating that complicated transition of going back home, but to a home that's so different because what brought them into care has hopefully been resolved. Um, so by fostering a child and working through that with them, you, you get the chance to truly transform a child's life. And there aren't many places or opportunities to get to do that. And this is one of those. You have obviously worked in child welfare for quite some time. So my last question is a little bit personal. Tell me one story, one moment, or one youth in your years of work that really sticks in your mind that kind of highlights your journey in the foster care, in the child welfare work, but also just, you know, something that really stuck with you. There was a moment when I was able to see an invitation to a birthday party for one of the kids in my program. Um, the, the child is a teenager at the time. Um, this teen had been living in a home where she was safe and, and well taken care of, um, but she was retreating to her room and not engaging with people very often. She was shy, but once you got to know her, you knew that she probably wasn't really shy. It was something else going on. And so when her goal changed to adoption, we had to consider a new placement for her because the home that she was in was a truly foster only, which is great. You know, I want to put in there, we need homes that are um, just as willing to foster and help kids go home. But that just didn't work out for her. And we weren't sure how she would do with the family we identified because the parents were um, relatively young parents and they had not parented a teen. But somehow that was exactly the family she needed, you know, because within a few months of being in there, she was having a party. This kid was inviting friends to celebrate with her something so personal as a birthday. And she was almost a transformed person. And, she, you know, it's not every day she's this magical new person, but she was happy. And it was evident in the way that she um, interacted with others. And really all this family did was welcome her as a member of their family and accept her for who she was and treat her like the kid she deserved to be. She may have been a teenager, but she deserved to be showered in presents and get a fun birthday party with sparkles and glitter and really great stuff. And that invitation will always stand out to me because I had never thought I would see this young lady inviting people to celebrate her birthday. That's amazing. I think that's really the takeaway that I hope that listeners, when they tune into this episode, get is Becoming a foster parent, fostering is challenging, and um, at the same time, it's life-changing, and it really can have just the most profound effect on these children, whether they stay with you, whether they end up, you know, being adopted, or whether they go back to their, their family. Absolutely. You have the opportunity to be that one adult who showed them what unconditional love really is. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for joining us and for informing us and helping us better understand foster care. And to our listeners, thank you so much for stopping by. I hope you were able to learn and grow today and maybe we'll consider foster care in the future. Opening Doors to Hope and Belonging is hosted by DePaul Community Resources, a nonprofit organization. Since 1977, DePaul has opened doors to hope and belonging for countless children, families, and individuals with disabilities across Central and Southwest Virginia. To learn more about DePaul and the topics discussed here, please visit depaulcr.org slash openingdoorspodcast. podcast.